Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 23 of the newly rebranded Paid to Be Me podcast, the podcast that empowers you to create a lifestyle and business that is authentic, fun, and highly profitable. My guest today is Veronica Jans. Veronica is the founder of Business Laid Bear, a consultancy that helps CEOs work out the kinks in their businesses by solving organizational and operational problems to help them be more efficient. On the side, she also teaches BDSM to beginners in a fun and easy way. Veronica got started on her entrepreneurial path when she came to a breaking point where she felt like she just couldn't be herself anymore. She felt like she was living two different and separate lives and felt shame that she couldn't honor herself fully. Now, Veronica's on a mission to strip people bare of their limiting beliefs and cultural expectations so that they can show up unapologetically exactly as they are. In this episode, Veronica and I talk about how she got into entrepreneurship and into kink, the journey of what some would consider building a taboo business, and some common operational blind spots for small businesses. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I am incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Veronica, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So excited to have you here. How have you been recently? Honestly, it's it's been a roller coaster. Like I'm the type mm. of person who's already emotional as it is, but mm. lately I've been like five times more emotional and sometimes feeling like guilt, happiness, joy, shame, gratitude, all in the span of like 30 minutes. And even when yeah. we throw in like negative emotions into it, it's a great day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm just going to honor yeah. it and acknowledge it because, you know, that's all we can do. Totally. I feel, um, I definitely feel the same. I feel lucky as an, uh, as a coach, you know, so much of my work is expanding my ability to be with, like being with emotion, being with sadness, being with anger, being with other people. And I think that there's just like a lot to be with, with the pandemic, with everything that's been going on, um, you know, racially with George Floyd and protests and all that sort of stuff. And so I've really just been trying to like give myself as much space as possible and really just go easy on myself because it's like, it's not business as usual. And I think it's important to take that into account when we're thinking about, you know, how do we plan our day? How do we set goals? How do we go about our week? Like literally making room for, you know, everything else that's going on in the country and in the world. For sure. And as somebody who's Chinese, it's really complicated for me as well, even though it's Mm -hmm. not about me. It's like, Mm -hmm. I have to work through my internal beliefs or the things that I was brought up like believing so that I could do my own work to support our black communities in need. So it's complicated because I have privilege, but I've also been prejudiced against. So there's so many things Mm. going on. So just giving myself grace, that's a great way to to say it. 
Love that. Making space for humanity. And I love that you're taking on the work too. I think that's so important. Um, and a big part of, you know, my message and going out and connecting with people and even in creating this show is creating opportunities for people to understand more about what it means to take on the work and to be a leader in that space, regardless of like where you come from, regardless of, uh, you know, where you're at in, in terms of, you know, any of those spectrums or, uh, any socioeconomic backgrounds, like, you know, I, uh, very privileged. I'm like at the tippy top in terms of, you know, what it means to be a, a white cisgender male in this country. Um, so being able to, yeah, take on the work and also understand my own blind spots and biases and be an advocate, uh, I think is super duper important. Yeah. And especially um, with the title of your podcast, it's like, if we cannot be ourselves, yeah, nothing is possible, at there least in terms of like joy and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And creating more of that. Um, well, I appreciate you bringing that uh, into the space and bringing on this show. I um, gave folks a bit of an intro to you and uh, some of the stuff that you're up to in the, the introduction to the show, but I love to oh, hear God. from you directly. <laughs> like what all, uh, what all are you up to right now, Veronica? Right now, um, I'm very fortunate because I run an online business. So my business started online. So I didn't have to change much in the time of when COVID hit. To be honest, my lifestyle seems to be quarantine really, really friendly because nothing about my life changed except for like, I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't go to restaurants, but like I ordered groceries online months and years before it was mandatory. Mm -hmm. I don't have really many friends here locally. Gosh, that sounds so lame. But like I grew up in the internet realm where my high school and college friends were not really friends. Mm -hmm. Like I found real friends online somewhere else, like in communities or live journal back Mm -hmm. then. And so Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I have to Zoom with my friends. Okay, well, this is what I do anyways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm very fortunate in the sense that my life hasn't changed except for a few minor inconsequential things. So I'm just doing my best to support my clients, especially because of what I do in terms of operations, efficiency, and just running businesses. It's like, how do you create systems for companies who now suddenly are forced to work remotely? And so Mm. a lot of the narrative has changed into how can we just sustain ourselves? How can we survive? Like that was what March and April was mm. when COVID hit and what conversations I was having with my clients and also non-clients. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I, um, it's funny. I was like, I feel very similar when, you know, the whole shelter in place or stay at home order went into effect. I was like, well, I'm already at home the majority of the time anyways, yep. and I don't got much on the weekend, so, yep. you know, that's totally fine. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, what I also hear in that is, like, not only pivoting, but looking at this experience and this situation as a call forward um, to take a look at, you know, who do you want to be in your business? And, you know, how can you use this time to better what you're up to, uh, make your business more efficient, um, make it run more smoothly. Um, and, you know, I'd be curious for you in in the business that you run as a, as a management consultant and actually working with companies around operations, like how did you get involved in that? So I never knew that this was really a thing. So I know that organization, managing projects, planning, checklists, all those things seem to be innate in me. And I discovered that I was really good at it when I was in college because 
I, so my story is I basically always just did my own thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like people Mm -hmm. told me to do many things. Like my college counselor was like, we have 143 majors here at Stanford. Why can't you just pick one? Why can't you just pick one instead of combine three into one? And of course I went into like this eight page essay about why it is that I can just pigeonhole myself into like design and not consider the business ramifications or the environmental consequences and vice versa. So for me, being able to have this like more diverse understanding allowed me to see where I fit and where I fit was helping creatives. So my classmates in the product design world were amazing. Like they had so many ingenious ideas but they couldn't bring it to life. Like they just Mm -hmm. had this idea and they didn't know how to come up with plans to bring it from point A to point Z. And so that's where I think this all started was in college because I'm like, oh, well, I can't sketch worth anything, but I can create like an end-to-end plan for you so that you can follow with deadlines so that you can get this done before it's due. And it just morphed into consulting with design companies, working with other creatives. Like I've, it's just been an, it's just been a great ride. And then I realized that where my sweet spot was, was creating efficiencies in business. And I guess that's just who I am naturally. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. looking back and being introspective, I'm like, if I can do something once or twice, the next time I'm going to find a more efficient way to do it. Because if Mm. I have to do it again, it's like, I don't want to, sweat and I don't want to have to waste time doing something that could have been done, could have been done more efficiently so that I actually have time to do the things I want to do. Yeah, totally. So that's um, how I started. mm -hmm. Well, I love the thing I love about that too, is it sounds like you were clear from an earlier age, like, Hey, the main narrative that's being told is not one that I am interested in participating in. Oh (laughs) yeah. uh, Which I think is so interesting too, like with how the educational system is set up, like so much of it, I think uh, leads into conformity and leads into like, well, why wouldn't you just choose, you know, one of those 143 majors? Yeah. I mean, I understand the need because going deep into something is important, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's like, how do you balance that need to go deep, but also have a well-rounded experience and education so that whatever you go deep in, you're most informed. So that's what I was not getting from my Mm -hmm. education. And I'm like, okay, I got to take things into my own hands. And it's just, yeah, I realized that all the most important things that happened in my life happened when I actually listened to the voice that needed to be heard most, but was constantly drowned out. And that was mine. Mm. All my life, I've been told what was good for me. People told me like, you should do this. You should become a doctor. You should become a lawyer. So this is where Asian stereotypes do come true because they want you to have like a proven successful and stable income and life so that it's predictable. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I did none of that. And of course I went into the most crazy thing that I could do, which was product design. (laughs) My parents Mm -hmm. were like, really? (laughs) What the hell is this? And I realized that product design was something that I was super, super interested in, even from a young age. Like I constantly was reading popular science magazines and in the back there was always these DIY projects or I loved interacting with products and seeing how things are built. And so I didn't know that there was a field until 
I was able to be exposed to it in college and I wish that I was exposed to it right away, but you know, life is life. Mm. And yeah, where was Mm. I going with this? That's right. (laughs) Everything in my life that was pivotal, important, monumental required me listening to myself. Sure. I took advice Mm. from other people, but the decisions I made always had to feel in alignment with me. And there's just like this I don't know how to explain it. Like when you know something is good or exciting, even if it may down, may be like terrible down the line, it's just like right now you're super excited about it and you have to explore and you have to just go for it because you just know that this is the right thing. Like, I think that's intuition speaking, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, that's how I operate. So it's interesting how feeling and intuition have played a huge part of my success in life and business thus far. That's awesome. And even just hearing you speak about it, like it makes total sense. You know, it's so funny, so much of my work as a coach is supporting people and understanding what it is they do want. And, you know, so often when I start working with people, people are like, well, I don't know what my passion is, or I don't know what this, you know, what exactly this business that I would create, I don't know exactly every facet of how it's going to look. I'm like, well, that's not really the point. Like the point is going out and following those inclinations, those things that seem exciting in the moment, because whether it leads somewhere or not, it's going to give you more information and more concrete data as to like, oh, hey, here's what I like. I want to go do more of this thing or, you know, I want to go do less of this thing. And so, you know, this whole idea of like what it means to get paid to be you or getting paid to be yourself, it requires that kind of experimentation. Um, And even in the educational system, you know, there's this idea of premature optimization and the idea that, you know, as you go into college as an 18 year old, 17 year old, 19 year old, um, you end up picking something too early. You prematurely optimize around a field or some sort of, um, Uh, trade that you end up not enjoying. (laughs) And you, instead of actually taking the time to experiment and, you know, follow that intuition and follow those things that seem exciting. Um, And it sounds like for you in, you know, at least in some way that intuition was a bit more natural. And the other thing that I'd be curious about with that intuition piece is like, how have you honed that? Or like, how have you practiced actually amplifying that voice and listening to that more and more? Oh gosh, it is so hard, especially when imposter syndrome is real. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because that self-doubt, those inner gremlins, those voices, they are really real and they are really loud. And I think it's just, I don't know, it's cliche to say this, but it's like just practice. Like Mm -hmm. until I started analyzing my story. So like I always am curious how I got to somewhere Like if I'm here, how did I get here? Because what got me here may not get me to my next phase. But if I don't analyze that, I won't, I just will be making the same mistake and go nowhere and spin my wheels. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this intuition required me getting really, really real with myself. And I think being an entrepreneur anyways requires you to work on your inner game, the mindset, Mm -hmm. the headspace that you have to be on, the narratives you tell yourself because if you constantly feel secondary or inferior, you're never going to be able to run a business that you're truly happy in. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it was just like, well, it, I came to a point where I'm like, do I continue on this path where I'm already not this happy anyways, running a business according to somebody else's ideals, AKA mm-hmm. be moderate, don't be polarizing. And I don't know how much mm. you told your audience, but if you look at my branding, it is polarizing. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't want you to alienate 
your customers. And I'm like, well, there's so many billions of people in the world. I don't need that many customers to be truly happy. So it's more just constantly being aware. So self-awareness has been something that I've been practicing a lot. And I journal, I journal a lot. And I'm like, what did I do today? Or what did I do this week? What was great? Why? Why is like my favorite question. So it's nothing sexy, but it's just like just being aware and being honest with yourself. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, how can you be honest in other places? Totally. It's hard. Yeah. It's, and I think that's the interesting part of, you know, about entrepreneurship is like, you've got to have something bigger other than like, I, I, you know, I think other than just looking to like make money or other than just looking to have a flexible schedule, like you got to have some reason to start a business or be an entrepreneur because if it's not working, you know, you can't fake it. Like you can show up to a corporate job and give 70%, but like if your business is not working, it's going to become very clear very quickly. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's why I am doing what I'm doing. And I think that's how we got connected is because I couldn't fake it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I was building a business that sure I could, I could do whatever business I wanted to, but it revolved away. It, oh my gosh, cut this part out. Cause I can't speak right now. All good. Okay. Here we go. It revolved around me showing up authentically. And I realized that that was something that I couldn't really do all my life. And the times that I did show up authentically was when I first listened to myself, like mm. the college major and all that stuff. And mm. I realized that at this juncture in my business, this was like what, 2016, 2015. Um, I was also exploring my kinky side because it's something that I always wanted to do. Thank you, Star Wars. Thank you, Aladdin. Yes. Disney made me realize I was kinky. I'm curious about that. Sure. I will tell you, but, okay. and it was, I realized that I felt, I felt like I couldn't show that side of me, even though it was so important to helping me be confident and mm. have a voice and to be opinionated and to speak out and to show that my voice matters or my consent mm. matters. Because as someone who was also sexually abused as a kid, it's like your voice is so important mm-hmm. now more than ever. And so it was just like one day I was like, you know what? I just want to show up as myself. Mm. What if I just, you know, show up and say, hey, I do this in business, but I also happen to be kinky, which means you get a lot of kinky puns. You may get a lot of dad jokes. You may get a lot of butt puns because I like puns and I like butt jokes. So you're going to get all that stuff, which is why, by the way, one of my offerings is called the business backend assessment because your backend is getting assessed by me. <laughs> Your business, by the way. <laughs> so I was like, I was living, it was almost as if I was living with one eye open and the one that was closed was perfectly capable of seeing. It's just, it was just closed. Mm-hmm. Was there, um, was there like a moment or like a series of moments where you kind of came to this, like, I can't keep hiding parts of myself in my business? Yes. And it was when I was writing my weekly email newsletters and I'm like, I want to use this really funny joke or I want to say this. And I felt like I couldn't because I wasn't being, I don't know, politically correct in the sense of not offending people. Hmm. I mean, this was 2015, 2016. So, you know, looking back in those years, I'm like, oh, I, the ambivalence was real. 
Like I was mm-hmm. really struggling, but now I'm just like, you want to talk about your back end? Let's whip it into shape. Yes, they mean your business back end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even think twice anymore because I don't think I'm being offensive. Um, respect is always something that's important in and out of kink in business as well. And so it's like mm-hmm. to be able to just live my life authentically and just show up as I do in person online. And I think that's what, what was different too, is because I would say these things in person, but I felt I couldn't say it online because I didn't want to lose business or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So thanks to email marketing, I, that was the catalyst to me, like wanting to become my true self because <laughs> it was nice. boring. I was getting bored writing these weekly emails because they weren't so much fun to do anymore because yeah. I couldn't be myself. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, it's like, why are you even doing it? <laughs> you know, it's like, why do we even do it if it's not exciting and fun? Exactly. It's like, if you this know? is your business, it should be orgasmic, just like your operations. Mm-hmm. By the way, I do love alliterations as well. So, you know, I just incorporate things that I love into my business because it's my business. And if I'm running it, like you said, I would hate to be miserable. <laughs> and totally. I could just, I can't imagine what it would be like to run a business I hated. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, it's interesting because I think that that's where a lot of people get stuck because in the beginning it's like, well, this is what I feel like I have to do. This is how it's supposed to go. This is how I'm supposed to serve people. And to your point earlier around polarization, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is they're afraid to polarize. And, um, you know, I wrote a, a post a while back on LinkedIn where I was talking about how, uh, you know, if, if you don't polarize, it's almost like you're in this giant food court and you're serving oatmeal because you're like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to offend anybody and oatmeal's <laughs> bland and everyone likes oatmeal. But it's like literally every person in the food court is also serving oatmeal. Like there's nothing special or unique about your business that would have someone go, oh, I really want to work with such and such. And so like while it might polarize some people away from you, the important thing is it actually brings people to you. And, I'm sh- and I would imagine that's probably been your experience is people coming across you, having conversations with you and going, my God, Veronica, I love what you're about. I love the energy that you bring. I love the authenticity that you bring in your business. Like we need to work together. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is. They either love me or they run away. Like I remember when we first met, you were just like, oh my God, I dig this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Not your, not your words, mine, but uh-huh. something along the lines of that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this was exactly how I just created my user base is because I just showed up as me. So by showing up as me, that's why the laid bare brand to me is so important is to be laid bare means that you're stripping away the shit that doesn't serve you. So it's like, if you think of yourself wearing a whole bunch of layers of clothes, because one, I hate clothes, but, and yes, I'm wearing a t-shirt now, just in case anybody was asking, (laughs) because there's a giant window to my cul-de-sac, is to strip away the layers that people have unconsensually laid upon you over the years, whether it be cultural Mm. biases, limiting beliefs, money blocks that aren't even yours, but from generations before you. It's like, Mm. until you strip away those things that do not serve you, you cannot live the life you were meant to live and make the impact you were meant to make. So my job as a person, this is like mission in life. So it's not just about my businesses, but it's to strip people bare so that they can Mm. show up authentically as themselves. And right now it shows up in my two businesses because Mm. in my operations, my management consultancy, it's about helping people run business their way and making it orgasmic. And then 
in my other business where I teach kink and BDSM, it's about how do you explore kink in a way that feels most fulfilling to you? Yes, you may be a seven-figure entrepreneur, and it is okay that you want to be someone submissive. It doesn't mean you're not a feminist because feminism means the right to choose your own path. So Mm. there's so many intricacies and things that intertwine with each other that make what I do so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was telling you before we started recording, I was like, as I, because, you know, this recent, this pay to be me is a recent rebrand as I've gotten clearer on how I want to serve people and the impact that, you know, that I want to have. And I've been sharing their story and I've been sharing what you're up to with a lot of other people as the perfect example of exactly what I mean by pay to be me. Like exactly like getting clear on who am I authentically as a person and how do I create a business that is a direct, authentic reflection of who I am at the core and in every form and facet, every way that you, you know, work with clients, that you brand yourself, that you're out, you know, in the world working with people, it's a reflection of who you are and a reflection of how you work best, which I think is incredible. And I think is such an important message. And I literally have nothing up my sleeve. I mean, here you are, here you are this like person who likes to be naked. Like a lot of my photos are me naked? Well, because it was, I didn't, I didn't know what outfit to pick out anyway. So I'm just like, Hey, it's the be laid bear brand. Why not? <laughs> exactly. So it's like, so on brand and also so environmental. Cause then I don't have to do laundry and waste water. <laughs> You're welcome. Win, win, win. Right. And so if somebody like me can show up and have offerings that are called the crop or the flogger, depending on which type of implementation you need for your business, Mm -hmm. and still get paid and paid well, like this is the best I've ever done in business Mm. ever. And it's been so effortless because I feel like things are in alignment. And to me, alignment means effortless consistency. So it's just be you because why not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, if you get one shot to do this, why not? Exactly. Live every facet in a way that's a reflection of you. And I enjoy Uh, laughing and I enjoy having fun. Like joy mm -hmm. is one of my core values, as is Mm -hmm. freedom. Mm -hmm. And so it's like to be able to embody my core values, the things that I value so much in this way that I get to live every day, I couldn't be more grateful. Mm -hmm. So go forth, people. Showcase your true you because I have pictures of me getting tied up gagged. I'm holding whips and stuff and it's fine. I'm still making money and nobody has sued me. We're all good because I'm tasteful about it and I'm being authentic and it's just being me. (laughs) There you go. There's your permission. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so that's actually what I'd be curious about too, is like, as you have kind of gone from this realization, writing this email, like, Hey, I think I want to include more of me in my business and what I'm up to. I'd be curious, like if you could speak to how you've navigated, you know, growing this brand and growing this business, which, you know, has facets that some people might find taboo or might not be comfortable with. Yeah. It was very difficult at first for me because kink is very much still taboo, even though mainstream things like 50 shades of gray or, other films and TV shows have portrayed like BDSM either in a humorous way, like bonding on Netflix or more serious, like billions. Can't remember which channel that's on, but I, it was just, it was just a slow intro. Oh no, it wasn't. When do I do things slow? I basically was like, Hey guys, by the way, I'm kinky. And I just like 
said, here's my actual, here's who I am. And if you don't like me, you don't have to get to know me. So ironically, not a lot of people defriended me or unfriended Mm me. And a lot of people applauded me because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm such like a sexually curious person, but I don't want to be labeled as a slut or I just love talking about sex or sex toys and not to say that I need to like use them all. I'm like, why not? (laughs) It's just like, it's giving people the permission to talk about topics that have been Mm. taboo in a way that feels safe because I will not judge. And a lot of my life when I was teaching the BDSM stuff was open to the public in a way because it was for the sake of education. I'm not airing Mm. out my dirty laundry, but it was more like, this is what I learned and this is what I wish I knew before I explored BDSM, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just basically said, hello, this is me and take it or leave it. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> and mo- and everybody took it. So I'm like, okay, okay. But it was scary. It was so scary to show up as me because nobody else in my space has talked about sex, especially in the operations world or in the systems and productivity world. Mm-hmm. But now you see more people doing like branding their things more sex positive. Like there's like this spiritual coach who did like S&M, like spirituality and manifestation or something, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's like, this stuff wasn't available back then in like four or five years ago. It was mm-hmm. very, very politically correct. Mm. Yeah. It's like bringing the whole human experience into business, which I think is an incredibly positive thing. Um, and I think the the piece that I really love about um, how you went about it is there's just like this sense of ownership and like, Hey, this is what I'm about. This is, um, what I care about. This is who I am at the core. And I think you're spot on in that, you know, every time that I've done that or seen other people do that, it immediately opens the floodgates. Cause I think people are looking for reasons and they're looking for permission to share all parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the prevailing paradigm is that who you are is not okay. Or, you know, these pieces of yourself that are taboo or that, you know, aren't generally accepted is not okay. And so therefore, you know, you should hide those pieces and, um, you know, not bring all of you to the table. Um, so I love that. Like, like actually like leading the being a leader and like trailblazing um, and giving other people permission to feel like they can bring more of themselves to their business and their lives. Thank you. I mean, it's been a great journey. I've learned so much, especially around how to do messaging, especially messaging that aligns with me because I could say anything if you wanted me to say it, but if it doesn't feel right, if it feels sleazy in the non-fun way, or gross, it's like, it's not going to jive with me. So it's been a lot of just trial and error and figuring Mm -hmm. out how to interject myself because I want my prospective clients to know right away who I am. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if they cannot tolerate any of my kink puns or using even the word orgasm, then I don't want to work with them. I've had people criticize me for saying, you cannot use the word orgasm outside the bedroom. And I'm like, but why is the word foodgasm okay then? Well, they're like, because it's food. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is your own limiting belief. Let's, you know, you should check yourself first. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I challenge people, but it's, it's to, it's to be respectful because I want them to see that I never intend to harm anybody or that I'm not just doing this for attention. Of course, I'm doing this for attention in different ways, but it's like, this is who I am and I'm not hurting anybody 
So mm-hmm. just be mm-hmm. respectful of that. And if that's not your thing, then I respect you back and we can part ways. It's yeah. easy. Yeah. It's, uh, it also sounds like being very clear about who it is you want to work with and qualifying clients beforehand. Cause I can only imagine that like, you know, if you were to hide those pieces or like not be upfront about those pieces and you end up working with somebody who's not comfortable with it, it turns into this like nightmare scenario of like, why am I working with this client? You know, I can't serve them in the way that they need to be served. They can't show up, um, and you know, have me be the most effective partner for them. So like actually pre-qualifying people to be super clear about who is it you want to work with? What are the clients that you want to work with? And how do you be very upfront and honest with them about what you expect from them and also about who you are as a business owner? The only place I have to tone it down a little bit that I feel is on LinkedIn. But Mm. I find ways to interject myself because, Mm -hmm. you know, LinkedIn has like this suit and tie Mm -hmm. persona. But on the top of my like background image, I'm like, I help CEOs work out the kinks in their businesses, which I really do. But Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. it's, that's the only place I tone it down to like maybe level 80 instead of a hundred. But then like the moment they get off the platform, it is blazing like in your face. Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, which by the way, did I ever, we didn't talk about how I discovered I was kinky. No. Yes. Tell me. Let's talk about, let's talk about Aladdin. (laughs) Yes, hit me. So I didn't know that I was kinky until I was much older, like in my early 20s. So I watched Aladdin when I was like four. But at that time, it's like, I didn't know any better. What I knew was that I did not want to be the blue jasmine, the one who had the Taj Mahal, the flying carpet, tiger. I was like, I wanted to be red jasmine. Mm. Like the one who was taken hostage by Jafar, shackled and thrown in an hourglass. Like, hell yeah. But like, I didn't, I would just like tell my mom, I'm like, I want to be red Jasmine for Halloween. And she's like, but they're always in adult sizes. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but, and like, I have so many of these like little memories, like my next one. And this wasn't until I was, I was an adult where I like looked Mm -hmm. back on my origin story, but like Mm -hmm. return of the Jedi, like Jabba the Hutt holding or shackling Princess Leia by the neck. Like that famous costume and scene. It's like those mm. like little things added up. And then I'm like, oh yeah. And then I read this like fan fiction about Harry Potter and this like whole kink part where Hermione is like really, really smart and powerful, but yet she explores her submissiveness. And I'm like, mm. oh my gosh, that's totally me. Mm. So mm-hmm. that's how I like discovered I was kinky was through Aladdin, but it wasn't until many years later that I look back analyzing how I even started becoming kinky or is Mm -hmm. this something that was always with me, like your sexuality this whole time. So yeah, thanks to Disney, they helped me realize that I was kinky. Thanks, Disney. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, I feel like this, it's like so much of adulthood is literally just looking back and like rediscovering what you maybe not consciously, but like unconsciously knew to be true about yourself and your desires and your experiences when you were a kid. Um, And I think that's, you know, you think about building a business and building a life, being able to go back and look and say like, what are those themes? What are those Mm -hmm. themes that showed up when I was younger that I can now look to uh, bring back into my life? Um, Because, you know, I, I think that who we are as kids is really who we stay. It's just that 
as we grow up, we, you know, end up getting all of these beliefs and um, other things added on top of it that obscure, you know, that original piece. And so I think it's really important. And I also just really want to acknowledge you for um, really openly sharing uh, about that whole thing, because I think that's a place where a lot of people could benefit from looking, is looking at who they were as kids and starting to question, you know, who they are now. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. So I would say as a kid, I was a do-gooder, but I was also really rebellious at the same time. So I mean, it fits me now. Like I do what I need to do. Words of affirmation are still my love language as is food because food is my fetish, but just, I have to do things my way. I have to show up as me because in the past, I remember if you put me in front of 10 different people, I could change myself 10 10 different ways to appease those 10 different people. Mm. And it got exhausting and I ended up forgetting who I was. So Mm. it was a lot of internal work as an entrepreneur to get to where I am today. And it, it was hard. I cried a lot. (laughs) I still do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the piece that I was curious about too, is like, you know, you think about the mindset piece of entrepreneurship, like, yes, there's the strategy and the tactics and the tools and, you know, looking at systems. And I'd be curious for you, like what have been the big like interpersonal hurdles that you've had to climb or overcome or develop, you know, in order to, to generate the success that you have in your business? I think it was just about my point of view. So a lot of people, so when we talk about ops, a lot of the emphasis, especially in just like writing systems and processes, like for example, people immediately go for which software is going to help me. Like project mm-hmm. management, you have like Asana, Trello, ClickUp, Basecamp, I could go on and on. But then that was only the cherry on top or the tip of the iceberg. And so like for me, I was really trying to figure out how I could create long lasting change for people. And I went back to my product design roots because being human centered or designing your solutions around the exact person that you want to be using it, you don't look at apps or software. A lot of it is about creating the solutions that are inherently good first before dressing it up with something. And Mm -hmm. so by putting people first in what I do, understanding how they think, how they work, how they see success. It's like all that stuff had to come because I had to figure out what it is I wanted to teach people with the knowledge that I had. And so a lot of my solutions are design, empathy, and compassion driven. Mm. And so that's what I had to overcome because a lot of operations, you talk about apps or technical things, but Mm -hmm. for me, I'm very, the humanity part was missing. So I had to overcome how other people, again, looked at how other people were doing business and realize that that's not how I want to do business. That's why clients come to me first because they're like, you're software agnostic. You acknowledge everyone's individualism because everyone ticks in a different way so that their collective zones of genius drive momentum forward. You're not just putting cookie cookie cutter solutions out there. Mm. So I had to overcome the cookie cutter solutions and all the things that I needed to hear. I baked into my business because I feel like if I need to hear this, other people need to hear it too. Totally. 
Yeah. That was like, really you know, long winded. <laughs> no, I love it. No, it's so, but it's so important. I, you know, I think that's so much of, well, first and foremost, like the human centric design and actually taking a look at how do you create solutions and create products that directly address um, what people need, like what specific people need. And, you know, I, I, even from a marketing perspective, that's something that I've realized literally in the last couple of months was how I was marketing, how I was talking to people was, it was a bit oatmeal as we were saying earlier, like it was just more about like, what do I like, or what do I think sounds good versus actually going out and connecting with people and being like, what are you struggling with? Like, what, you know, what are you looking for more information on? What are, the, what are the problems that you're looking to solve? And how can I, as I'm creating my branding, my content, my marketing, like right from a place of what my ideal client is looking for um, and actually doing it from it. That, human, that human-centric place first and, and foremost. Um, and also using your own experiences in the solutions that you design, because those are always the best solutions, are <laughs> the ones that you've actually gone through and implemented and tried and can now take out and support other people in better understanding and utilizing and actually benefiting from. For sure. Like self-awareness is so important, which is why I love that I rebranded myself as a management consultant. And a lot of people don't know what that means. But for me, like they have asked me like, what do you mean management, like middle management or like, it basically people go back to corporate, anything I talk about operation systems, processes, Gantt charts. So like, ugh, in my corporate days. And I'm like, yes. So let's leave that behind. Do you think I will be boring when I talk to you about operations? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if so, fine. I'm not your person, but most people say no, but it's just like the management part of it teaches my clients, the CEOs, how to be a leader, how to be mm -hmm. a manager, how to mentor, how to inspire and help their teams row and beat to the same drum. Because if everybody is a, like, for instance, a, on your team, a different arrow and going in a different direction, you're going to get nowhere. You'll all be spinning your wheels and everyone's going to be frustrated. Mm -hmm. So the management part of it is about teaching the internal stuff, helping the CEOs understand who's in what slot and is this their zone of genius, teaching them how to lead, teaching them how to be a CEO. And then the operations part of that bolsters the things that we teach in the management consulting part. But I don't really talk to people about the management consulting part because I meet my, I meet my clients where they're at and what they need. They tell me like my operations are stuck or I feel like things are chafing in my business and I'm like, we'll make it well oiled or well lubed, however you want to say it. So, but in order for communication of the CEO to help their employees do what the CEO needs to do, the operations come in and bolster that. So it's like a nice symbiosis. It's like the internal and the external because totally. they're both equally important. And that's why I love what I do, but that's not how I'm found. It's just, they mm. get that management side, I guess, after I asked if they consent to me, like helping them blow their minds <laughs> <laughs> because they'll, all, they'll be like, well, my, my employee, I love them as a person, but I hate them as an employee because they don't take initiative or they're not proactive and I'm like, all the things that they're saying leads starts with their inability to lead, but they don't know how to become a manager sometimes or to be a leader because most people mm -hmm. who start their businesses have an idea or a product yeah. and they had to learn the business side of it. So yeah, this is where I come in, especially when you're growing because these are all normal growing pains. Yeah. I think that's so brilliant too. And 
you know, speaking to the leadership aspect of that. Um, cause I think you're, I think you're dead on. Like so often when people start companies, it's because they have this sense of there's this thing that I want to bring to life or bring into the world, or, you know, maybe I want to create more freedom and flexibility for myself, but there are very few instances where people are trained on leadership before they're actually doing it. <laughs> like before they're like in the hot seat and they're having yeah. to be that leader and lead other people. And, you know, especially I think as your business continues to grow, being able to really intentionally grow that aspect of yourself outside of the technical piece, outside of the operations piece, like actually growing the leadership side of how you run your company and how you work with people, um, I think is so fundamental to creating a business that works well and that grows and that also works for everybody. Because I, you know, I, I forget exactly where I saw this. I forget what the exact statistic is, but there's some crazy amount of people that end up leaving organizations because they, it's not that they don't like the company or the work, it's the manager just doesn't end up working out or the manager doesn't know how to lead. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of like healing almost that can take place when people are trained on, on how to bring their own authentic version of leadership. And all of my clients, basically, when I ask them, what kind of a business do you want to run? What kind of a leader do you want to be? And they're like, the first thing they say is, I don't want to be a micromanager, but I feel like I have to be because I don't trust mm. their work or whatnot. So there's the two-parter, the internal stuff. Well, how do you know, how do people know what your expectations are? Have you written them down? Have you communicated them? Yeah, okay. But what you say, A, could be different than what somebody hears, B, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is where the operations part comes in. If you don't want to be a micromanager, you have to communicate the things that you need done so that you can rise above and be the CEO, be the leader, and then have that supported by the operations so that you're consistently predicting what's going to happen. Mm. Because mm -hmm. when you have operations and systems and processes and the sexy stuff like documentation, if somebody is sick, there's a checklist right here of how to like follow through, right? right. So it's like you can be confident that your business can run without you and you're not chained to it unless you want to be. Totally. Um, I'd be curious, you know, in your work with clients and the work that you do with this consultancy, like what are the, like what are the most common blind spots or like the most frequent blind spots that you support clients in discovering, especially on that like newer end, maybe like the solopreneurs, the people who just have like a couple employees in their businesses, like what are the blind spots or the things that they don't know that they don't know? The biggest things that they don't see that's happening is that they're not making progress. They're like, I work 12 hours a day because I'm a new entrepreneur. I am the marketer. I am the salesperson. I am the CEO. I'm the CTO, meaning I hook up the technology, connect Zapier to whatever. Like they're wearing all the hats and doing all the things, but they don't find, they don't realize that by doing all the things, they aren't going to be going anywhere. So it's about quality over quantity. When I started giving myself the permission to do less, but do those fewer things really well, that's when my business took off. So instead of the online membership, the e-course, the one-on-one, -on -one, the paid products, the ebook, the digital download, whatever it is, it's like, start with one mm. and do that one thing really, really well 
and stick with it until it does well before you branch out into something else. And the other thing that I didn't realize was that I didn't hire fast enough. I should have hired a virtual assistant that could have taken things off my plate when I was new so that I could actually have time to market and not be behind the scenes. Mm. So like mm-hmm. those were the blind spots, but then you're like, I'm a new entrepreneur. I don't have enough money. Well, then that's why you start budgeting and understanding and becoming a data-driven company. I'm not like hundred percent data-driven, but it's like when I see how much I'm spending or how much it costs to run my business or yeah. what it takes to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. It's like, I have numbers. I'm like, okay, if I can make, if I need a new client so that I can have a budget to go hire this person to do the things that I need to do, I can like onboard on three more clients. And so it doesn't become a capacity issue anymore. Yeah. But a lot of new entrepreneurs think they can't hire because one, they don't have the money and two, they don't have the systems or infrastructure to be able to hire because they don't think about those things because it's all totally. them and it's in their head. Yeah. And I mean, it, that makes total sense. Thank you for sharing both of those things. You know, to your second point, it's, it, it becomes this very clear conversation when you're clear on the numbers of your business, because then, then it becomes less like this emotional feelings, qualitative decision, and it becomes a more quantitative decision. Like, hey, I could actually make more money for my time if I went and spent it doing these other things and hired somebody else at a lower rate to take care of these administrative tasks. Um, and then it's not like a, hey, does it make sense, you know, in my brain, it's a, Hey, this actually makes financial sense on paper an operational sense on paper, um, which I think is incredibly important. Um, and I really just want to like <laughs> double click, double down, highlight on the first thing that you said, like that's starting with one. And it's so interesting because, and you know, I'm going to have to start to like collect these things, but I feel like, you know, in what I've noticed in my own business and what I notice a lot in going out and connecting with other entrepreneurs is it's so common for people to be like, I start to do a million things at the beginning. And it's like, well, I want to do this. I want to do group coaching. I want to do, yeah, I want to do courses. I want to do this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like all these different things. And I think part of it is driven by this fear of like, especially in the beginning when you're not making a ton of money from whatever the core thing is that you're doing. It's just like, well, I could, I could make more money if I go out and do this or that and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it feels like you're hedging your bets almost and you're increasing the opportunities to generate revenue for yourself. But I think the insidious thing is that you don't realize the opportunity cost of your energy getting spread so thin and your attention getting spread so thin that you can't actually get clear on creating one sustainable, consistent unit of business that allows you to get to a place where you can systematize it. It's easier to run. And then you can take a look at like, all right, what's next? How do I grow from here? What's the next thing to take on? And, or, or how do I scale this? Um, so I just, I just so want to highlight that, like focus on one thing at a time, because you can do all of the things eventually you can't do them all at once. For me, um, I got sucked into thinking that I needed to create an online course. And of Mm. course, I should have had red flags go up because I knew that creating an (laughs) online course requires you to actually have an audience. And I am not good at building, like list building tens or hundreds of list, email list people who can buy my course because Mm. I'm the type of person that values close relationships, like one-on-one relationships that build over time. So, Mm -hmm. but I was sucked into the shiny idea of, oh, build it once and it'll sell itself over and over again. Passive income, Mm -hmm. woo. 
And it's not that I can't do that. It's just like, that's not my zone of genius. My zone of genius is working with clients. And while that doesn't look sustainable and scalable because, you know, my time is being traded, it's like, well, actually, if I hire the right people, I actually don't have to do the client work anymore in the future because that's Mm -hmm. my goal, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, Mm -hmm. just honor yourself. I wish I would have just stuck with one-on-one when I first started. But now all I do in my business literally is client work. That's all I do. I don't have any other forms of income and I have them coming down the line. Like I have these implementation intensives that I want to create where it's like in two days we implement all the operations that you need to start with in your business. But of course, being that nobody can meet and you know, it's COVID season that got taken off, which I'm really glad it did because now I can just double down on just client work and things are Mm -hmm. just taken off. And now when I have more people that I can hire, then I'll start to look at the two day cash injection intensives. But it's like Mm. one thing at a time, because if you're constantly building half-baked bridges that go to nowhere, you're never going to get anywhere in your business. And it's only going to leave you frustrated because you did all this work for nothing. At least it feels like it. You do all this work and it feels like you went nowhere. Totally. The thing that I love about what you just shared too is like, the, cause I think sometimes it's easy to get sucked into the, I don't know what I would call it, like guru speak or like the, <laughs> Oh, you know, create, <laughs> create these online courses and you can, you can generate $10,000 a month and passive income and et cetera, et cetera. And like that totally works for some people. That's great. And that's awesome. If, you know, if that's the, if that's the direction that you want to go, but I also think that there's a much more important and more elevated conversation that has to do with how you want to work with people, what your zone of genius is and how you show up at your best and brightest. And also, from a client perspective, how do your clients best work with you as a partner? And it might not be, you know, you could, um, either of those could be mutually exclusive with doing an e-course. But at the same time, I think that the structure that you use or like the service that you offer, the product that you offer is actually different from this idea of generating passive income. Like passive sure. income is a, is a different piece and you can actually generate that in any way that you want to. But it's about asking the question based on who I am uniquely and authentically, based on the client than who they are authentically and uniquely and based on the business that I want to build, you know, that's authentic and unique. What does that look like to create passive income from that place? And likely, or what's probable is that it's not going to look like anything that you've seen before. And that's where the, that's where the joy is. (laughs) It's like getting to build something that's totally unique and different, but there's no roadmap to it. You just got to trust that you'll be able to figure it out. And it requires knowing yourself. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. a marketer. I know people who are really good at getting a hundred thousands of people to join their Facebook group, their pop-up Facebook group really easily because that's just who they are. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's not me. And so it's like, I found a business model right now that works really, really well, that allows me to have a really solid foundation to allow me to confidently leap where I want to go. So you got to just be you. Like that's the theme of your podcast. It's like, that's why I'm so successful right now is because I show up as me and I do Mm. business the way that I excel. And that is close relationships with people. Mm. It's brilliant. Um, I'd be curious, like what's the vision for you or like what's next for you? Okay. So I definitely want to have a consultancy, like an actual office where we have a working space in the front and like a dungeon in the back. 
seriously, <laughs> like talking, talk about hands-on, like it'd be so cool to have a whiteboard in my dungeon with post-it notes. Oh, now that is getting me hot and bothered. <laughs> but that is within the five to 10 year plan is I actually want to have my own office space. Mm. And there's no, there aren't going to be any fluorescent lighting. I can promise you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. I'm, I'm not big on fluorescent lighting. So good. that that is the plan. It's just to build my consultancy, to do it well, to hire an amazing team, and eventually mm-hmm. just to take myself out of it so I can be the CEO and just focus on the vision and the culture and the mentorship mm-hmm. and helping my team do what they need to do to paddle while I lead. And that's a little bit scary because I'm a control freak. Okay, I'm hands-on, as I like to tell myself, but I'm a control freak. And this is something that I have to let go of. And if I tell my clients that they have to let go of the stuff... I need to walk my talk too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm so excited to continue to watch it to grow <laughs> and continue to uh, stay in connection with you and um, continue to support. Um, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing um, all about you and what you're up to. Um, where can people find you online? So if you go to LinkedIn, you can find me, just Veronica Yawns. Instagram is the same thing, like at Veronica Yawns. And you can, I'm sure you're going to put that in the show notes because mm-hmm. my last yep. name is spelled really funny. And if you go to my website, www.businesslaytobear.com, you can find out about my operations and management consultancy work. And then I have a YouTube channel called Desires Laid Bear, which is how I teach my kink and BDSM online, or at least the YouTube portion of it for people that are not in person. Amazing. Well, I will put all that info in the show notes. Um, and Veronica, what is a piece of advice that you'd leave us with and the folks listening to help them build bigger, better businesses? If it's not orgasmic, don't settle. Yes. In Snaps. every part of your life or your business, like if you're doing something and something doesn't feel right, or you're not like orgasmic about it, because we all know what an orgasm feels like then it's time to figure out how to make it that way. Mm. Because what have you got to lose? Yeah, that's what I, I made a commitment to myself recently where I was like, you know what? If it's not fun, if I'm not like a fuck yes, if I'm not like a full body fuck yes, I'm not doing it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it's not worth it. <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah, amazing. Well, Veronica, the way that I love to end these shows is with acknowledgement. Um, so are you open to me acknowledging you? Oh, thank you. Yes. Awesome. Cool. Um, oh, Veronica, I was like so looking forward to this podcast um, and it was everything that I hoped that it would be. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that I want to acknowledge you for, but I think first and foremost, the thing that I really just want to acknowledge you for is your authenticity and like your unapologetic commitment to showing up as yourself. Um, I think especially with the space that you're in, the things that you're passionate about, the interests that you have, it's such an interesting combination. And I think part of the reason why it's so important is because it shows people what's possible. And it doesn't come about just by chance. It's actually, I'm clear that your path to get there was a string of courageous decisions. So I also just like really want to acknowledge you for the courage and the bravery that it takes to like continue to like step out and bring all of yourself, like being fully expressed, not only in your life, but you know, also in your business. Thank uh, thanks you. for being a, yeah, thanks for being a trailblazer. Thanks for being a leader. Um, thanks for your commitment to service and supporting people in building businesses that work for them. Um, you know, I think that's it's the unfortunate part. I, I think it's part of the game 
you know, you go through this phase of your business, not everybody, but most people go through this phase of their business where it's really hard. It's really difficult. Nothing's working. Uh, and so I love that you're all about supporting people and building businesses that work for them effortlessly, fluidly, um, you know, supporting them and creating more freedom for themselves. And just thanks for the joy and the levity and the energy that you bring. It's really infectious. Um, and I, I'm just really excited to share this episode with people because I think people are going to get a lot from it. I don't know what to say other than I fully accept this and thank you for the acknowledgement. And to be honest, I couldn't have done it if I didn't surround myself with people that just accepted me and loved me for who I was like a hundred percent. So find your community too. Yeah. So important. Amazing. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for being on. Looking forward to staying connected. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.